Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome to episode 220 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner. I'm Luke Lipinski. Let's not waste any time because we've got the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes on the line right now. Rick Tockett joins us just a couple days before his team's season opener. Rick, I know it's been a busy offseason, a busy month or so. You've got more events leading up to the season. How ready are you to just finally start with actual games on Thursday? Yeah, I think everybody's anxious. I mean, the, the worst part is is that week before camp, and actually, um, you know, you go through the early parts of exhibition, and you're trying to piece people in. You're trying to take a look at people, but like all coaches, you want to get to your team. You know, everybody's anxious to get to your team, and now we're finally here, and uh, we're ready for opening night. Rick, we're going to start you off with some softballs here. Um, well, this one may not be a softball when I mention how much you have to travel in these first two months. I, I know you're not fond of that, but... What are some of your favorite spots, if you even get to any spots, like eateries or something on the road, since you'll be hitting seemingly every NHL city in the first two months? Yeah, you know what? I've been in the league so long. You know, the Chicago's and New York's. I mean, there's so many unreal restaurants. You know, like, um, the problem is, you know, you go to these places and they're fine dining, and uh, but you're also trying to lose some weight. You know, I, there's a, <laughs> El, El, El Molino's in New York is one of my favorites, and you go there. Before you even get to your entree, you're full, right? Because you got the <laughs> salami, cheeses to start, and then you got the appetizer. So um, you got to be careful. Um, but there's so many great restaurants. I mean, uh, that uh, you try, and uh, there's some new stuff that uh, even other coaches, friends of mine, they'll tell me, hey, I was just in you know, Winnipeg. There's a great restaurant that just opened. Try this one. So that's the one thing that we do is we don't cheat ourselves when it comes to restaurants. So how, how does that weight loss program go over the course of a regular season when you're still eating out like this? It fluctuates with wins and losses. You guys. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 it's called stress eating. I mean, um, the one thing is, and, and it's true, I find that, you know, when your mind's going and after games, I just, you know, you don't even realize that you just, you know, put like 3,000 calories in your body. You know, you're eating everything at sight. So you got to be conscious of that. Um, I definitely have, uh, over the years, tried to, to watch that. Okay. Well, you guys are in the process of settling on your final roster. A lot of those decisions came out last night. Can you walk us through the decision to send Victor Soderstrom back to Sweden rather than the AHL and maybe talk a little bit about what you saw from him as well? Well, a lot of it, you know, you want to make the player comfortable. He, you know, he felt that to go back would be the best for him. You know, we, we felt that, you know, we'd support him uh, both ways. Um, 
you know, he's got to get stronger. He's obviously got to work on his skating, but he's a hell of a player. You know, what's the best way for him to develop? You know, um, you know, he can always come back. Um, so, you know, we, we know he's, he's in good hands going there. Um, uh, you know, yeah, we, we suggested him staying here in, in Tucson. Um, you know, we have a close eye on him. He can work with our strength coaches too. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, we, he made that decision, and, and uh, we're, we were good with it. Um, you know, now you got Barrett Hayden. He's in a position where he's had a nice camp for us. You know, he's he's had a little bit of a roller coaster in some games, but I like the way he's bounced back after a tough game. I think that says a lot about his maturity. And right now, we have him. Uh, he'll stay here for a little bit and see how how it goes. Um, and we got to make sure we treat this development properly and, and him properly, and we're conscious of that. Uh, and along those same lines, you know, what did Barrett Hayton do to earn a spot, and where does he fit on this team as one of the most highly talked about Coyotes prospects, probably since Oliver Ekman Larson? Yeah, like uh, the one thing he, he's a hybrid, right? He can play center or wing. Um, he can play power play, and he can penalty kill. So, you know, to what level? That's what we're still trying to find out. You know, can he do it at a consistent NHL pace? Um, and that that'll sort itself out. We 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 believe. Uh, Every day he's going to get better and he's going to become the player we believe. I, I mean, he's, he's a culture guy. Uh, he came in one of the best shaped guys on our team of all the players. Um, you know, the guy's a sponge and he's got a great hockey IQ. So we're very lucky to have him and we just got to make sure we, we, we develop the right way. Are you looking at this as a nine-game trial or as an active piece of the roster for the rest of the season? Or is that still to be determined? It's to be determined. We, got, we, we, have, we have to think that way because, you know, I mean, I don't want him to be sitting – you know, if you know if we don't have any injuries, he's sitting out nine games in a row. I don't think that's going to do it, it, do any good for him. But um, there's other avenues to make sure that he plays. So, um, you know, right now, um, whether he's in Thursday night, you know, we'll make that decision. But he'll be ready to go uh, when we need him. Do you have a sense yet what Phil Housley could mean for the power play in the blue line going into this year? Yeah, Phil's a Phil's a real. He's an out of the box thinker, uh, but he's also he's not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Um, you know, he's he's the new guy that's come in here, and I, I, he's kind of completely just wants to analyze it, and that's what I like about Phil. He's got some thoughts on some stuff, but, um, you know, it, it really is it's really, uh, with us, the concepts that we're preaching, we have to get better at um, for the power play. Like, certain individuals have to get better in the concepts we're teaching, and when the con- con- concepts are there, you got to make a play. You know, there's no there's no handbook on a to play to a guy in the slot for a shot. I mean, that's just reps and that's talent and that that's being diligent on that stuff. And you know, we we that's why he acquired Phil Kessel. You know, he can make those plays. He's got the nuances on a power play. He knows to attack the weakness. Now we need to get some other guys on the same page that thinks like Phil. And it's not going to happen in two weeks. It's not going to happen in training camp. It's going to happen every day we work on it and every day we talk about it. Um, and as the season goes on, because you know, Phil thinks probably a couple of steps ahead. Uh, and we need some players to, to develop into that thinking, you know, and I think that's just an everyday working video and talking about it, the mentality. Uh, in goal with Antti Ranta and Darcy Kemper, I mean, they've both shown you what they can do as starters over the last two years. Do you have a plan going into the season of how you want to split them up, or is that more just sort of ride the hot hand and, and see how, how games play out? Well, you know, we, we told all the guys to come into camp in shape and be ready to go. Um, you know, uh, Anthony had a little bit of setback, but nothing major. Uh, Kemp's has had a really good camp. You know, he's he's come from last year to this year. 
uh, great shape, and he's had a really good camp. Played some really good hockey games for us. You know, we got to get Antti playing some games. So uh, to see uh, he hasn't played in eight nine months. So that's um, whether who plays the lion's share that'll sort itself out. But the the, the one like that we've always talked about here, we're lucky to have both those guys. Those guys could carry the, the the mail if we need so, and they both have that strong mentality. Rick, what's the uh, thought process with claiming Eric Comrie off waivers? Well, he's a good young man. They've, uh, you know, John is, is uh, Scott has had an eye on him. Just looking at his play over the years, you know, last couple of years, and then when he came on waivers, uh, you can't have enough good goalies in your system. You know, uh, there's insurance pers- possibilities too. You, know, you never know when goalies get hurt. Um, so, you know, we'll see how this plays out. But uh, you know, John talked to us yesterday about it, and he really feels strongly. He talked to Corey Schwab, Corey Schwab, who. We all love and is a great goalie uh, mind, really likes him, and uh, so we, we picked him up. With the the rules being what they are, he's got to stay on the NHL roster, I believe, for now. So how do you work that? Well, we'll take a look at him and have Slavi work with him, and we'll go from there and see how it sorts out. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how we're going to play it out, but um, there are rules to it. Uh, you know, if you do send him down, he gets back on waivers. The team that uh, didn't clay, uh, that got rid of him can pick him back up. So there's there's a lot of different rules that uh, will come into play when we make decisions. So overall, how are you feeling about your roster coming together now? What are you what are your expectations internally for the season? Well, you know what, I, you know you always have expectations. Like the one thing I told the players, you know, listen, you, you listen outside noise, media and stuff, and they, they have, you know, there's been some stuff. Hey, I'm not this Coyotes team. Who are they? Can they make the playoffs? Will they? I put expectations on ourselves. Players should be on themselves. As an individual, every player wants to have a better year than they had the year before. And if that's the case, we're in good shape, right? As a team, I, my expectations is that this team works hard every day, does the practice habits we talk about, um, you know, stays diligent in the work habits, we can be a successful team. I like our depth. I think from the first line to the fourth line, I think on any given night a, t- a line can play whatever minutes I give them because, you know, I, I don't feel I have to hide people like I did over the last couple of years. I feel there's some certain matchups I'm not scared about if certain lines are on the ice with certain players on the other team. Um, so I think the depth there, I think there's a lot of players that can play different roles for us. So I think that's something that helps the coach. You know, uh, we have, you know, five or six centermen on our, on our roster that can play wing. Um, so that's, that's another hybrid thing that helps us. So, I feel uncomfortable. This I like the depth. Rick, we have a lot of listener questions. We're just going to read you a couple. This one is is probably my favorite. Where would Rick Tockett be slotted into this Coyotes lineup if you were in your prime playing days right now? Ahead of Phil Kessel. <laughs> <laughs> and, make sure, and make sure you tell Phil that. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe try. Maybe I'll go on the left side. Play left, left, left right. I could play the left. I know Phil can't play the left wing, so maybe uh, play the left wing. But, uh, that's a good question, though. That's a good question. We uh, we had uh, somebody ask, and, and I, I know lines are very fluid over the course of the season. Yeah. But can you envision Vinny Hinnestrosa getting a shot among the top six, whatever top six means, as you just talked about? You know, be feeling comfortable with all four lines. But can you see it? Ch- yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Craig. Yep. No, just can you, can you do you envision a, a you know a, a possibility of him maybe moving up in the lineup at some point? Yeah, Vinny's an interesting guy because he's a, he, to me he's a 
a jack of all trades. I think we're going to try to get him the penalty kill a little bit this year. He'll play some power play time. You know, he plays four. I, I'd like to get him on four on four and three on three situations. Um, he's come a long way for me uh, when we first acquired him. Um, hockey IQ, I didn't think was that, you know, was uh, was on a, you know, it was okay. Um, I, I felt system-wise he, he, he didn't understand our system. But he's probably been our most improved player over the last year when it comes to hockey IQ. I think he's really increased his knowledge of what we're trying to do here. Um, I feel sometimes when I give him too much, he doesn't play as well. So I have to be careful. So, I, you know, if you put him up in those roles, you know, does he try to do something? Does he not? So that's something with maturity, and he'll definitely get his chances on different lines. But right now I do really like him with Brad Richardson and uh, and um, uh, Michael Grabner. They, they have a good chemistry together. And, I, I, you know, and if you look at that line last year, uh, they all contributed down the stretch and they had some big, big goals for us. Rick, how, how does much does player versatility factor into the system? You talked a lot about centers that can play wing. Are, where do you stand on the spectrum of this kind of like positionless yeah. hockey we have seen, or do you think having defined yeah. roles is more important, or is that like a player by player basis that you make that determination? No, it's a good question because I believe I really believe, and, and I've talked to John about this over the years. I think the NHL is going to go to even more of a hybrid. You know, having two center up on a line, every line, like. Uh, maybe you, when you're drafting players now, you're going to start drafting players or centermen that can play wing. Um, I think it goes a long way. I think uh, when you have that luxury, you can tw- you know, tweak your system a little bit. You, know, you can try different things because you have that luxury. Where it doesn't really matter who can play it down low. You know, you know, you know, when, you, when you play an offensive set on the other end, uh, and then you, you know, obviously the puck turns over and you track back, it doesn't really matter who's at three when you have, a, especially when you have two guys, two centermen. There's some players are not good down low. There's not, they're just not good down low. So hopefully they're not. You don't have to play. They don't have to play down low in certain stretches where we have certain lines where we're comfortable. If if one of the wingers have to play low, we're okay. We don't have to make a switch. I think that goes a long way, and I think there's going to be a little bit of a hybrid in the next bunch of years where teams are going to go more to the two centermen on the line type of thing. Now the training camp, preseason, everything are over. Did anybody surprise you, whether it was in camp or all the way back in prospect camp? Anybody stand out that you maybe didn't expect to see? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's like I really like Clayton Keller's camp. I, I think he came in really good shape, and he's played the inside a lot this camp. I've watched him in these certain these exhibition games. He's been a threat. I mean, he could have scored three goals in Anaheim the other day. We didn't even have a play that great, but you know, Kells had three grade eight chances because he he was inside. So we do a shot chart. Um, in this camp, and if you look at Larry Keller's shots and chances, they were inside the uh, inside the box, right? Last year, if you looked at that, you very rarely saw number nine in inside the box. So he's taken what we've asked as a staff and organization, and he's applied it this summer, and he's come and had a really good camp. So it's not, I'm not surprised at it, but I just I just like the way he's taken the information, taken you know the year he had last year into it, and, 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 and made it to a positive. You know, um, you know. I, th- I think Garland had a good camp, especially earlier on. I thought Jordan Osley's had probably, probably one of our best defensemen in the camp. I think he's really played well. Like, um, I'm really excited to see him this year, Jordan, where he can go to another level. So, and I, and I like Kemp's camp. But Ken, uh, Darcy Kemp had a really good camp. As as far as prospects, you had mentioned that uh, Jan Yenick really surprised you too, huh? So, you know, it's the old Gordie Howe. Uh, you know, I know Gordie Howe used to say, when you go into training camp, 
uh, you know, the first day you try to impress the coaches. So I remember the rookie camp, I just said, you know, who is this guy? You know, like he kind of, I knew who he was, but he really, he wanted to make the team and uh, in that rookie, in the rookie tournament. Like uh, he scored, I don't know, he had three, four goals. He got a couple of fights. He was in every scrum. He penalty killed. Uh, you know, there's a rawness to his game. Absolutely. He's a young kid. But uh, his passion, the way he works, um, I can envision him being a coyote here uh, in the upcoming years for sure. And I, I was really impressed with him, uh, his work ethic and the way he tried to impress the coaches. Uh, you mentioned Clayton Keller's strong camp. What are your expectations for the process? Maybe not, not points or anything like that, but what, what expectations do you have for him in terms of the process of him becoming a more complete player? Because he can be the most dynamic player on this Coyotes roster. Yeah, so for me, the like you know, we talk as a big thing. We we talked about this year, commit to the process. So you know, every day, you know, Kels, especially his, he wanted to increase his practice habits better than last year. So every day, I've watched his practice habits um, just get you know every day harder, uh, working harder, working on a shot. Like his shot is fifty five. He he. The one thing I like about Kels is that people understand. He you know he, put, he did this elaborate shooting gallery in his home. You know he built this so he shoots pucks at home a lot you can tell that all that hard work so he's committed to the process you know he knew he had to get a shot had to be better he knew he had to play inside and he had his practice habits that he had to get better so those are the expectations i see him like he he's raised the bar um you know on that and i don't think he's going to go down on that i think he's just going to keep raising the bar uh, Coach, last one from the listeners. Is there any like subtle or understated aspect of this year's team that you want the average fan in the seat to be paying attention to when they're watching? Um, I, 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 I think we've come to the fact. I mean, I don't think we're right there yet. I think, but we have started to chip away. I know when I took the job, uh, you know, when I first took the job, I said to the fans that you know I don't know what type of team we have, what identity we're going to have, and I think we've started to chip away, and I think. Titan fans understand, and they saw that the last two months that we're a tough out. You know, we're, we played really well down the stretch. Uh, we, we, you know, we. I think we're fifth in the league goals against, and I think we could even get better at that, playing a more suffocating kind of uh, style of play. But also being creative on the other end. We know we have to score goals, but I don't want us to uh, sacrifice our defensive part of it. And I think that the hardworking, um, you know, got chip on the shoulder type of uh, team right now we have that. You know, I think I like that. I like that about our team. So the fans, you know, they, they, they when they watch a the team, they hey, this team's got a chip on their shoulder. You know, it's, they, can this team be a team that makes the uh, this area and the fans proud? Um, that's something that we uh, we t- we hold in high regard, and the players do too. Last question for you, Rick, and you can feel free to hang up on me after you hear it. Um, <laughs> and go uh, ruin your diet at the face-off luncheon. But uh, we have this thing at the podcast where uh, one of our listeners gave Luke a lot of stuffed ducks. Uh, It's a long story. I won't bore you with the details. But basically, Luke has taken to naming some of them after Pittsburgh Penguins because Luke is a Pittsburgh Penguin fan. But we have a few ducks here that don't have names yet. So we're wondering if if you have any ideas for us for, for some of Luke's unnamed ducks. Unnamed ducks? Yes. <laughs> stuffed, stuffed ducks, no less. Stuffed ducks? Yes. Yeah, and you can bring this up the next time you do a podcast with Luke, too. Please don't. No, no, but I'm trying to understand the question. Like, what do you mean a duck? These stuffed ducks have not been named yet, and, and we feel like uh, they're being, oh. uh, you know, they're being left out in the cold here by Luke. He doesn't really seem to care that they don't have names yet, so. 
football from our, some of our players. He, he he's dying over here. By the way, his face is beat red <laughs> oh, yeah, right now. Former Pens players, <laughs> former Pens players. Yeah, yeah. Just just throw out a, a good duck name. Of a oh, for- a former player, a former player. Oh, okay. Let's go with, uh, with a former player. Let's go. Do you have an Alf Samuelson duck? We don't, oh, don't have Alf. Oh, no, no. Alf, he's oh, a good one. Great call. All right, we'll go with Alf <laughs> the duck. Yeah, that 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 duck would be yapping. That's a yappy duck. <laughs> you have a Joe Mullen duck who doesn't say much, but uh, that's a you know Joe Mullen duck doesn't say much. I like. Now he's named two of your ducks. Guy, this is beautiful. <laughs> There's two of them right there. Right. Alf is perfect. All right, Rick. Thanks uh, so much for the time. I know you're busy heading into the season, but great stuff as always, and good luck this year. All right. Okay, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, thanks, Rick. Rick Tockett, some solid stuff right there. I like the uh, the chip on the shoulder comment towards yeah. the end of the interview. Yeah. And I also like that he thinks he would play ahead of Phil Kessel. <laughs> That's now on yeah. record. That's the chip solid. on the shoulder is in keeping with who he is, right? It's, yeah. it's sort of the personality of this team now. Yeah. And, yeah, that that would certainly help them along the way this season. Uh, anything stand out to you about the interview? This whole show, by the way, is going to be a Coyotes preview podcast. Yeah, so. I mean, I thought the interesting note about Clayton Keller, the shooting gallery in his house. I mean, we've talked about his ability to... You know, future athletic story. Uh, well, <laughs> subscribe to the athletic to read more about it. But we've talked about he's a he has the ability to be a goal scorer. Now that's not his primary function of his game, but he has that ability, particularly on the power play. I will if he improves that area of his game. I mean, we've talked about where are what the ceiling is for his expectations, point total wise, whether it's this year or in the future years. If you're going to get up to that point per game territory. You're going to have to probably be around that 30 goal mark, most likely. I was mostly impressed with the uh, duck names. Yeah, well, Ulf, I don't know why we didn't Ulfie. think of that soon. Yeah, you can yeah, call Ulfie. Ulfie. It's Ulfie's Ulfie. perfect. Ulfie's it's a great, great one. I like the idea of if I get a duck that doesn't have, like, it doesn't squeak, that we can just go with Joe Mullen on that one. Because right. that's true. Do you know. have a duck that squeaks? All of the ducks squeak. All of them. So we need one that's quiet. We need a okay. silent well, you duck. Could just literally eviscerate one of the ducks. Not take out the squeaker. These ducks are. I mean, I, they're it's like not like you're above abusing ducks. That's Luke. not true yeah. at all. We've already established that. <laughs> not only that, I'm I'm more pro Anaheim ducks than either of you guys on this show this season. <laughs> Uh, I also like the fact that he said they don't have to hide any of their players this year. Yeah, yeah. which that, th- that's free. They have in the past. Yes, but that's also that's a big task for a guy like Nick Schmaltz. That means if Nick Schmaltz is going to play down the middle and he's not going to have his minutes protected, he's got to be ready to play the the quintessential 200-foot game. Yep. Um, yes, and, and absolutely true. But on the flip side of that, the versatility question that you asked him, if he's got someone like Christian Dvorak playing on his left side, there's a guy that can play down low. It can, and, and in their system anyway, as you know, the first guy back becomes F1. So Dvorak could take on those responsibilities in the defensive zone. And hopefully get the puck to Schmaltz through the neutral zone because that's where he really excels. His transition games are the strength of his game. This is going to be a fun season. We're going to get into it here. I would remind everybody to rate and review the show because I don't know what the deal is. Once you hit like 100 ratings, more people can see the show. Yeah, so. it helps boost you up like in the search when people are searching for hockey podcasts or sports podcasts. And, and so. having looked around for hockey podcasts to start the season, other ones to listen to. I mean, there's a few good ones. I'm not saying there are Well, aren't. you do all of them. But You do <laughs> every true. hockey podcast <laughs> out there. They all know by now. Luke has seven jobs. It's uh, it's only six, to be fair. Uh, yeah, I think you, I you think jumped the gun. I think you're hiding one. Well, that's, but it hasn't been revealed yet. Okay. So, yes, at the moment. At six. All right. How do we do? We want to start this with uh, some just news and notes from around the league, and then get back into Coyotes. Sure. We also have some predictions and uh, awards to hand out, don't we? Yes. I'm frantically trying to come up with some while we're doing the actual show. <laughs> ah, so business as usual. Yeah. Then. Pretty much. Yes. Uh, this is what happens when you have six to seven podcasts. Well, there you go. All of the RFAs are signed. Not really a shock. 
that it took to the last second, except I don't really understand why it had to take to the last second with some of these guys. I get that a lot of teams were waiting, and a lot of players and agents were waiting to see what Marner was going to go for, and once Toronto made that deal, you figure the dominoes are going to fall. But um, Rontanen and Kyle Connor specifically, not down to the wire, but I mean down to the final weekend of the offseason. I will not stand for this Julius Honka slander that all RFAs have signed. No. Uh, yeah, all RFAs have consequence. I think Honka's going to get traded at some point here. but Sure seems like it. I don't, I don't know what took so long, but we're here. And I don't think we really expected any extended absence from anybody. I know we teased it. We talked a little bit about it last on last week's show with, with the Winnipeg wingers. But we didn't actually expect them to really miss time. Because this is one of the few instances where there's there's leverage to a point... But there's not that much leverage for these RFAs at some point. If you want to play in the NHL, you want to play an NHL salary, you're not going over. These premier RFAs aren't going overseas and making enough money. No. You can always practice with Zurich. Everyone does it. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's pretty much it's, a pipeline the thing. to yeah. the NHL. At this By the point. way, also, uh, it appears that Dustin Bufflin news is imminent. It's coming soon. So mm. we'll find out whether he is returning or not. And that, to me, is. Is it a press conference? Because then we know what the answer is. I don't know. It's the linchpin <laughs> in the Jets season. If he doesn't come back, they're not a playoff team, I don't think. Well, that was going to be my question. Now that, that Line A and Connor are signed, you still don't see them as a playoff team mm, without Bufflin? Not with Bufflin? that. Not with that what if they hung around and traded for somebody around the deadline? Uh, uh, look, which, yeah, well, I mean, they got the first round pick back. But, but look, I. Just because, I mean, their offense is still loaded. We'll talk about this when we start doing our predictions, but. A little spoiler for me, there are two teams for me in that last wildcard spot in the West, and I think Winnipeg's in contention for that. But it's that it's that tenuous for them, I think. Okay. Okay. Um, Toby Reeder signing with the Flames. So if, Twelve goals. <laughs> Unconfirmed reports that Brad, Brad Tree Living has handed him me metaphorical keys to the Flames' fortunes. Well, that's how so, it works, right? It I mean, if, yes. if, if he's the reason Edmonton didn't make the playoffs mm-hmm. last year. I really hope he scores a big goal against Edmonton this Eagle. year. It's just a big one against the Oilers that knocks them out of the playoffs this year. So he's the reason they missed the playoffs two years in a row. Wow, that'd be great. Yeah, I little, hope so. Little Edmonton hating well, on this show. I just, okay. No, but that yeah. was ridiculous last year. Yes, it was. Also, I think Edmonton's going to be right there for a playoff spot, so that would directly help the Coyotes. Uh, if I mention Green Day, you guys aren't going to like sing a duet, are they you? Might. I mean, what's your no, no what are your favorite Green Day songs, Jamie? Uh, well, my favorite's Jesus of Suburbia. Well, that's which is, a, which is that's, that's a the, damn good song. That's which, a classic one. When the uh, NHL announced that Green Day might be doing this Hank Williams Jr. thing, I did send a text saying, "Connor McDavid is." Oh yeah, that was your text, Jesus of Suburbia. Okay, yeah. Yeah. You Jamie guys are like both, that, but we're both Green Day fanatics. He's yes. just like Green Day fanboys. Oh, oh, yeah, I've been to like four live concerts. Same, the, yeah. same actually. And yeah. I'm going Were they in the same four? Were you guys there together? Maybe. Wow. And I'm going Maybe. To the, We're not going to tell. And I'm going to their tour next year. Yeah. Did you guys just become best friends and not even realize it? So the, the great thing about Green Day for me, too, they're my treadmill band. I oh, listen really? to them while I'm running, and it's a great, great band to run to. I don't so have a treadmill High band. energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what's a great running song is Peacemaker, by the way. Yeah. You guys done? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, we could keep going on, actually. I, I actually have a lot more favorites, if I, you'd like. <laughs> I listen to uh, celebrity readings of Craig Morgan's articles on The Athletic while I run on the treadmill. So it's a different celebrity each week. <laughs> oh, do you get to choose the voices? Like, is Mr. T an option? Uh, Mr. T or is the only Cookie option. Cookie Monster, really, like they be. have on Waze. <laughs> Sounds like the, the weirdest cameo request of all time. <laughs> Hold on. Cookie Monster is an option on Waze? It is. We did them for our entire trip to uh, California this summer. I need to go Cookie drive Monster. somewhere right now. Yeah. navigated us everywhere. Wow. Way is not a sponsor of the show, but certainly could can be now. But can be. Absolutely can. All right, season starts this week. The season starts That's tomorrow. Crazy. That's crazy. <sighs> Thank goodness. You know, I thought about this. I, you hate the preseason so much. Mm-hmm. 
it's not as bad as the NFL. At least the real players play during the NHL preseason. Well, sometimes. 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 There are a lot of AHL and CHL guys on the ice. But it's not like an NFL game where after the first quarter, you may as well just turn the game off unless you are the hardcore fan of one of the teams that's playing, at least in the NHL. Yeah, it is for me, actually, but... (laughs) I'm of the mind. You watch players in the preseason, not games. Yes, yes, absolutely. That, that's what you're looking for. So there's, a, there's a cool prospects, Calder candidates, guys that might be one or two years away, recent draft picks. That's what you're watching the preseason for, not to like watch the games or or the results. Watch Jordan Nolan score a goal in the third period somewhere. It was kind of fun to watch the uh, was it the Canucks Coyotes game was on last week on NHL Network, and it was the Canucks broadcast, and they were not happy that the Canucks lost that game. They were freaking out by the end of it. Well, they better get used to it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. What are you talking about? Playoff team this year, right? No, mm-hmm. not just a like, playoff team. Speaking Vancouver, of the Canucks, all the way did you, you, one of your favorite names to to read is oh Sven Barchi. Yes, Jamie's yes. going to pick him up off waivers. I, so I'm no. going to claim him off waivers. Yeah. <laughs> How devastated were you when you heard the news? Like four days after you proclaimed that he is one of your favorite players and you, quote, well, I can't for quit him. him, unquote. No, I, I couldn't quit Hunter Shinkaruk, and I believe he got waived two years ago. So, like, it happens. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Evander Kane in trouble. And let me, before we get into Evander Kane, let me just say I really enjoy the fact that San Jose and Vegas hate each other so much that they have to fight in the preseason. But they all, but they all keep saying they don't. Yeah, but they clearly they, every, do. Every player that comes out is like, yeah, it's not a rivalry. Well, then why do you beat the heck out of each yes, other? After last season, it's a rivalry. It's after the postseason. Fest. I, there's not two teams in the NHL right now, I don't think. Not, you know, fan bases, yes. Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, New York, Philadelphia and anybody. The fans don't like each other. But as far as actual on the ice, the players on the teams do not seem to like each other. Is there a bigger rivalry in the NHL right now than Boston, Vegas? Toronto. San Jose... I think Boston-Toronto, yeah, especially since they know they're going to have to play each other again in the first round. Yeah. I think that's becoming a thing. Well, it's not guaranteed. Kadri's not there, though, so that's true. the odds of a suspension are minimized at this point. Whew. They'll train it, Alex Kerfoot, into getting, into that, <laughs> getting deep into that rivalry. Uh, I noticed Craig didn't put these in the notes, which I thought was, uh, was an oversight and hurtful. No, you could have contributed. I'm going to contribute right now. Sidney okay. Crosby injured? Are we not all worried? Brian Rust actually is injured for a while, it sounds like. Yeah, they're the Penguins, we know. Okay. Well, that's, but we never talk about the Penguins. Yeah, because they're always hurt all the time. And they're going to somehow find their way into 98 points, and, it's not gonna, and then they'll lose in the first round. We know what's going to happen. Hmm. Don't, well, e- don't even waste your time watching them this year. Okay. Well, I'm going to anyway. <laughs> I'm going to sit there next to Ulf the Duck, and I'm going to watch the games. Do we want to do predictions now, or do we want to go through the Coyotes preview? Uh, let's do the predictions. Let's do the now. predictions, yeah. yeah. And let's roll into. Okay, you, you didn't have anything more on Evander Kane. What do you think of that? I mean, the, the the very end of it is what troubled me because the the slash was intended for a player. He got the official, yeah. yeah. But then he shoved the official, and that's. I was surprised that he only got what he got. Yeah. Well, what are the options? Three, ten, or twenty games, or the season? I guess right. There aren't the, there's like four options if for abuse of an official. Yeah. yeah. Three, ten, twenty slash, Rafi, oh, or the Rafi Torres. Yes, the old Rafi. <laughs> you don't right. want the Rafi. That's treatment. how they just call it the Rafi Torres. <laughs> Rafi Torres special. Come in for a Rafi Torres hearing. Anyway, on to our predictions okay. and awards and whatever we were, we're calling these because we we really didn't prepare much for them, did we? Um, I thought about them a little bit. I have the okay. real awards, but the, oh, the other oh, ones. Excuse us. No, the other ones. I'm going to have to. I'm going to be winging some of these. Uh, that, that's not really true. Actually, we talked about a lot of these. Okay, so okay, let's start with the um, let's start with Coach of the Year. Okay, so we're going to go through the just the standard awards, and then we'll give you some of the, the the natty hattie awards. Coach of the year this season. I will start off the discussion not by giving you my pick, but just by saying there's nothing John Cooper could do to win this award this year. Yeah, he's eighty-two in Glenville. Yeah, but 
But speaking of, that's my pick. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's that's one. my pick this it's year. Pick. Because I think, I, I think the collective thinks less of Florida than we do. So really? they're going to be more surprised by their ascension into a playoff team, which is another spoiler for later. Huh. Okay. So I, I think he's going to get a lot more. I mean, he's a great coach, obviously, but I think he's going to get more credit outside of this room than I think we than we will give him just because we already think the baseline for this Florida team is higher than I think most people believe it is. There could also be the, uh, finally, we have a chance to give Joe Quinvo a Coach of the Year award. Yeah, that too. I, I think I could play into it. I mean, that that's my pick because he fits all those criteria and also is coaching a team that missed the playoffs last year. And you basically need to be on a team that shows dramatic improvement, which to Jamie's point, maybe... Maybe the Florida Panthers, even though they had 86 points last year, aren't on a lot of radars nationally. They typically aren't. Um, they're, I would say, on more now just because they added Bobrovsky and Quenville. But uh, with the pieces he has there, I, I also think that's a playoff team, and I think that'll be enough to get him the award. Here's another candidate, Rick Tockett. Absolutely. He, I, he would be a finalist for, for me. For very similar reasons. Yep. That the baseline is higher than I think the national perspective is. And it might. I mean, he also put himself on the radar last year. There, he was starting to get buzz for mm-hmm. the Jack Adams mm-hmm. with the, about a month left in the season. So it might be as simple as which of those two teams finishes with the higher point total. It really might be. Yeah. I mean, it, let's say they both make the playoffs, then it might just simply be who had the better year. But yeah, I would say going into the season, those have to be the two main guys, right? Because there are just certain. It, it's not just John Cooper. I mean, Cooper. There's no way he could win. There, there really isn't. They would have to set another record. Eighty-two and zero. That's about the only David, way he, would win, he yeah. has to go undefeated. And a first-round exit. But, I mean, who else could win? Babcock? Babcock yeah, he could. He could because you know so. how that works. I, I think even if they win the division, I don't think I don't think this is the year. I think that people have turned on Babcock, even if he has a good year. I, I, he would probably be my third finalist just simply because if they do win the division and don't have to play Boston in the first round and the voting takes place when they're lined up to play Florida or whatever, he's going to get... He's going to get that bump. And there are 75 voters in Toronto, right? That's true. Yeah. Sorry. There's like three outside of Toronto. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but if the Oilers make the playoffs, I think Tippett's going to Vegas as one of the three finalists. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah that's that's good. That's a good call. That's a good one. Okay. And I think that's a possibility. I genuinely think that's a possibility. Uh, let's go into some of these other... Let's go with the Calder Trophy. The, t- for me, this one's easy. Is, Is it? it? Yeah. Wow. Are you guys, is this part, is this the intro to a Green Day song where you guys are going to talk at the no. same time and say the same things? Uh, I'm going to go with Capo Caco. So am I, actually. That was my pick, too. So oh, then, okay. so well, then that it was, that was easy. easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the only other name um, to kind of keep an eye on is if he could, t- and I hate to do this because lines change so much, but if he continues playing on that top line, Olafson in Buffalo, if he keeps playing with Eichel, that could be an interesting one. Yeah. But I, th- I think Kako, if you, especially if he plays with Zibanejad, I think he's going to have the... He's supposed to play with Zibanejad and, and Buchnevich to start the year. Yeah. Uh, Mika, especially, in New York, number two pick. Yes. A team that it was bad, but, I mean, they also were fortunate to move up to that second spot. I don't know. I just think he's more NHL-ready. Not that Jack Hughes... Uh, Hughes would be the logical second choice. Yeah, that's the other guy people will talk about, of course, but... And not that he's not a candidate, and he's on a pretty decent team now, oh, yeah. too. But uh, I just... My pick would be Kako. What about Kale McCarr? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know buzz. what a defense. I don't know what a defenseman has to do to win this award, though. The voting—that's the problem. The voting for this award too is done before Colorado wins the Stanley Cup this year. So mm. McCarr, man, that that part's not going to help him. I could th- I could see McCarr being the most valuable, yeah. rookie. But I just what it takes for a defenseman to win this award. It takes a lot. It usually takes a bad year from forwards. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Wouldn't it be cool if they had a, an award for defenseman that rewarded um, defensive play? 
That'd be cool. That'd be cool. They should name it like a Rod Langway Langway Award. Langway Award. Yeah, that'd be a great idea. That'd be a great idea. The Nick Drama should run with that. Yeah, I will run with that. Look at that. I'm going to introduce it to a different podcast. Let's while he's still playing. Okay. How about the Norris? A trophy that's not as difficult for a defenseman to win. <laughs> well, it depends. It's difficult for a defensive defenseman to win. I, I want to say Seth Jones, and I'm not going to just simply because I think Columbus is not going to be good it's this gonna year. going to be a tire fire. He, yeah. How's he going to rack up points? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go boring here. Eric Carlson. Oh, all right. Really? If he's yeah. healthy, and he's healthy and plays a full season. I, I people for, He had a slow start to San Jose's run, and then about a month in, he really picked it up. Missed some time late in the year. If he plays a full season, he's going to put up gaudy point totals. Lucas? The pick I have, I hadn't heard anybody else make until I believe it was Elliot Friedman made the same pick, but I'm actually going to go with Charlie McAvoy in Boston because he fits the requirements of he can produce some points. He's not going to, he will, he will not be the power leading play, point right? producer. Yeah, fantastic on the power play. But yeah, I mean, great on the power play on a team that should be good. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago with all the RFAs that are out there. Miko Rontanen is probably a better player, Mitch Marner, but. Charlie McAvoy is probably the most important to his team of the guys that weren't signed two or three weeks ago. So Boston needs him, and I think they're still a good team. Okay. I'm going boring, too. Victor Hedman. Yeah, that's it. Okay. He's, he'll always be there. Yeah, that's true. I, th- I just think it's going to be so tough for anybody from Tampa to win awards this year. Because I, I don't know how they do better than they did last year. And they won a lot of awards, yeah. regular season awards, uh, last year. Okay, let's go. let's go with the Vesna. Okay. All right. I'll okay. go with Ben Bishop. Oh, I thought you were going to say Tom Strice based ben on the way Bishop. Said. Yeah, Bishop was my pick, too. I'm going to go Vasilevsky because he has some room to improve from last season. And I think he's going to, he could legitimately play 20 more games than Ben Bishop. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the uh, thing with Bishop. Bishop doesn't have to meet the same requirements as the Coyotes. I know it doesn't anymore. matter anymore, but I'm at least going to pretend like maybe it does matter at some point. Uh, Bishop think. does have a better team in front of him than he did last year, though. And I feel like a lot of voters wanted to give him the award last year. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, Rocket Richard. I mean, I, until proven otherwise, I'm always going to go with Ovechkin. He won it again last year. I'm going to go Austin Matthews. Ditto. Oh, I'm going well, Austin Matthews. Guys, Austin okay. Matthews would have won it if he was healthy. I think he may may have supplanted uh, Alex Ovechkin as the best shot in the NHL. But I think those are the only two. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's like I don't know who the third candidate would be. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to play a full season. Matthews. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because Ovechkin's a tank, so he's got to yeah. play the whole season. Russian machine don't break. Do you <laughs> do you want some of the other names that were at the top of goals? I mean, Drysaitel was one goal behind Ovechkin last year. I know that that surprised me. Yeah. I mean, fifty goals, is, and he didn't really get talked about enough. A fifty goal season in twenty nineteen. Caveat though, Dave Tippett does not know how to coach offensive players. Oh, Remember, we were okay, told yeah. that by so many people. So Drysaitel will have eight yeah. goals this yes, year. Yes, because okay. he'll have to focus too much on that boring defensive structure that Dave Tippett <laughs> coaches. Blah, uh, blah, blah, blah. Other names. John Tavares, who you guys both hate for no reason. He had 47. Uh, Steven Stamkos had 45. Actually, the Stamkos one surprised me. He got lost in the shuffle of the whole Tampa Bay thing. And yeah. it was just like, yeah, everybody had a great year. I, I don't know that I realized as it was happening last year that Stamkos had 45 goals. Yeah, I think Kucherov stole a lot of thunder from everybody else on that team. Thunder from the Lightning? Wow, look at that. Oh, oh, Lord. Okay. Jamie did it, not me. Okay, it's stop. not my fault. Okay. Stop now. Uh, Art Ross. McDavid. Okay, yeah, it's McDavid. Mm. Didn't win last year, though. Kucherov did but win wait. last year. But wait, I'm going to go with writing or wrong. Nathan McKinnon. Oh, wow. Okay. I hope so. Yes, Jamie's favorite player. So. If McKinnon wins the Art I Ross, does Colorado make the playoffs? If McDavid yes. wins the Art Ross, does Edmonton make the playoffs? <laughs> uh, <laughs> does it matter, apparently, in his particular case? It uh, matters with other players, but it doesn't matter with Jesus of Suburbia. Well, that's true. more for the heart, not the, the Art Ross. Well, for anything. So, so let's we're get, talking Connor McDavid. <laughs> that's true. Let's get, so let's get to the Hart Trophy then. John Tavares. 
You're going with Tavares? That I was am. my pick last year. I am. And he should I know won. you think I hate him, but, but he's my pick here this year. I love the line mates he's playing with. happy that you went with Tavares. Yeah, I, I think John, John Tavares is going to have a monster season. Even though I'm not ever allowed to talk about the Penguins on this show for some obscene reason, and I don't think he's going to win, I do think Evgeny Malkin is going to be a finalist this year. But my so, pick is Austin Matthews. I Mea culpa here. I thought you said Hart. You said Art Ross before. Before, Con- yes. Connor McDavid was my pick for that trophy. Oh, okay. Nathan McKinnon is my pick for the Hart. Oh, okay. So, okay. I was going to say, like, I'm not my sure bad. what revenge you need for the reward that my bad. is a very standard. <laughs> <laughs> How dare them pick this guy based entirely on stats. Uh, okay. Sorry. So now that Craig has ruined the entire show, yeah. <laughs> you went with McKinnon for the Hart. And I went with Matthews. Jamie went with Tavares. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And now for the Offbeat Awards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll start with the, the, the you know, This would be great. This would be a great place for a drop, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. We're never getting drops or T-shirts or anything. He I designed drops. T-shirts. Allegedly, he has I have drops. A, I actually have a folder Allegedly. of drops over here. Uh-huh. And I may or may not be... I, I probably shouldn't say this yet. You know what? I won't say it. Yeah. I've been working on something for you guys on the side. Sure oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yes. sure. Yeah. Right? Mm. It's about on the side. You don't have any side. You have seven jobs. Yeah, there saying, is what, no side. What time? Well, it's taking a hit like uh, while lately. you were sleeping. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Basically, while I'm driving. Um, Rosetta Stone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do have a feature. I don't know when it'll be prepared, but it's about four minutes long right now. But that's not for today's show. So, okay. All right. The Peter Chiarelli Award. These have not been explained to me. I would assume that is well, for most destructive GM. Jim Benning. That's what I think it's going to be this year because there, there are so much misplaced expectations in Vancouver. I think they might try to panic and I'm looking. Craig's reaching for something. Oh, uh-oh, no. Uh-oh. He's, oh, he's, no. He's, he's, <laughs> he's well, finish I, your Jim Benning I, I just think there's so, there's so much misplaced expectations in, in Vancouver that they might try to do something really stupid at deadline, like acquire another bad defenseman they can't skate. That'd be fun. Keep talking, because I, I have to go reach for something, too. So you guys okay. just... Craig, oh. why don't you give your pick? Oh, so oh, wow. I, I guess I, I know where this is all going wow. now. Astute a, listeners will understand what's happening I need, now. Oh, so no, no. What's happening now is I need a prop. Well, you know, I, I can't. I mean, I can't just scream. I have a Cole Harbor at every segment. Like it's not going to work. <laughs> I don't I, know what that voice. I is. Need a, I need a noise making <laughs> right. prop. I'm gonna go with uh, Stan Bowman, and it's 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 not quite a lifetime achievement award, but it's <laughs> I mean, it kind of like the last few years award. It feels like you know since we're just instituting, and yeah, that's my copy, Jamie. So leave that to me. Oh, that's gonna awkward. move that over here. <laughs> It's not enough that you get one free coffee. You want two? <laughs> Jamie's been eyeing your coffee for the last 39 minutes. He saw his chance and he took his shot. Now that so, we drink the same, same type now. You know, it, it feels like Stan, Stan has accrued points toward the Pre- Peter Shirelli Award. So for awarding it for the first time, I'm going to go with Stan. And I'm guessing I know who you have chosen. Can you ring the bell one more time so we can do the hear ye, hear ye for Stan Bowman? Because you you introduced him, I want you to play him off the stage too. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, Jim Rutherford and this little squeaky. Is that Alfie? I feel like Alfie should be the bigger one, shouldn't yeah. he? Yeah, he should yeah, be I pretty should. bulky. So, yeah, so. so Alfie's gonna be the large unnamed mallard. Okay. So you again just rip out the squeaky, and that can be Joe Mullen right there. No, this one uh, I don't remember. He don't think he has a name. He's one of the unnamed tiny again? penguins. Yeah, kind of looks like Chili Willie, doesn't he? He looks very unhappy mm-hmm. ahead mm-hmm. of the penguin season. Mm-hmm. And okay. why wouldn't he? Because Alex Galchenyuk's hurt too. Well, these yes, things happen. Apparently. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Rutherford basically for the same reasons you just laid out there for Stan Bowman. 
if he's able to trade Jack Johnson and get anything back, I will rescind that vote. Shirelli's not in the league anymore. There was a related listener question to that, by the way. Yeah, if they I do know. trade Jack Johnson, do you have to rename the duck? I don't know that we're going to be able to get to all the listener questions today because okay, there are quite a few of them. No, we'll but leave that one hanging. Then. That, that one's evergreen. We can answer that at any time. How about the Jamie Eisner Nonlinear Progression Award? So I'm going to go with a negative and a positive for this one. So nonlinear progression from a negative standpoint, Max Domi. We've talked about this a lot. Uh, I expect his numbers to regress significantly this season. A lot of the Montreal numbers to regress significantly this season. Doesn't mean he's a bad player, just he's not going to progress that way. Positive, Clayton Keller. We saw nonlinear progression a lot last year where his numbers went down. I expect a much better season from him. There's some more talent there. If he has truly worked on his game the way that Rick Tockett has talked about, he's going to get a lot of power play opportunities on a power play that should be better in theory. Uh, so I think those would be my two picks. Um, neg- I only have a negative one. I don't think Jeff Skinner is going to do this year what he did last year. Yeah, maybe well, yeah, he's, he's n- coming way back down to earth. N- not at the point where he's still progressing because he's been in the league for a while. He's been in the league longer than Clayton Keller, and Max Domi, but I mean he had a monster season last year, and just based on where he plays, not a knock on him, still an excellent player, but I don't think he can have that sort of year where he finished with 40 goals last year. He actually already started to trail off at the end of last year, so I think it's just going to carry over into this season. I don't play by rule, so I'm awarding an entire team okay. this award. I'm going with the Carolina Hurricanes, who just scream nonlinear progression Ooh. to me. Craig, I agree disagree on this one. It's okay. interesting. Well, you like Carolina, huh? I have them, num- I have them second in the Metro this year. <sighs> I think. Now, this be- is more about... Do, do they go to the conference final? No. Okay. I might be with Craig, actually, on this one. And, yeah, I guess that's... They were in the conference final last year, mm-hmm. weren't they? Craig said that in a I rest my case sort of uh, way, and I had to remember that they were there because they didn't actually show up for any of the games, but they were in that series. Yes. The Dysfunctional Canadian Team Award. Um, oh, man, there's how much time exactly. do we have? I have a, like how a, much time? Right at, at, as we currently speak, I have a three-way tie between Winnipeg, Ottawa, and Edmonton. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go dysfunctional, Ottawa's it's got to be win. Ottawa. Yeah. Probably. They yeah. probably have to win. I, I initially read this as, or maybe this was in the text that we had, which Canadian team has the most unrealistic expectations oh. laid out in front of them. Ooh, that's an entirely different To thing. me, that's Vancouver. Yeah. I'd or Montreal. That. Well, that's, yeah, that's People fair. think Montreal's like do a East contender. and West. Yeah. yeah. For Canada, yeah. Yeah, they do. It's, again... Nonlinear progression, right? right yep. Everyone's expecting Montreal to take another step forward. Uh, I think what we saw from Montreal is pretty much what Montreal is. Yeah, I mean, uh, a yeah, bubble team. I think, yeah, you're going to take a step back from Max Domi. I think Tatar takes a step back. They're trying to run Jonathan Drouin out of town. Like, I, 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 I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I forgot Drouin was in the league. I, I didn't, you know, because former Halifax Moosehead. Yeah, no, I Jonathan know. Drouin. Now, I mean, Edmonton, obviously, Edmonton, Dave Tibbetts there, so we assume stability, but the. There's still a lot of problems on that roster. There's still um, Edmonton. There's that goaltending situation. And by the way, if we're looking at teams who could join this mix, keep an eye on Calgary. We'll, we'll see what Ooh, happens really? there. Yeah. We'll see what happens with Calgary. The origins. Long one of the Milan Lucic. least dysfunctional Canadian teams, mm-hmm. Calgary. But they, no Canadian team is above dysfunction. It could happen to you at any time. So we all think Toronto's safe? Yeah, I think Toronto's going to be really good this yeah. year. If they somehow struggle, that could be... Oh, boy. Uh, how fun would that be to watch? Just the full meltdown. I did hear... What show was I listening to yesterday? They were talking about how this is basically... It's obviously a Toronto-based show. They got to do it this year. This is their window. 
<laughs> now it's a one-year yeah, window. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was a five-year window. Well, they, they have the, uh, longest, they have the, the longest window of any team in the NHL at the moment. No, it's like, five years, Jamie. And then Austin Matthews comes no, home. So. That's yeah, five years till Matthews win. leaves, but who knows if uh, you know Marner leaves or something before then <laughs> somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, most surprising team this season. This is a tough one to define because we already yeah. mentioned Florida and, and the Coyotes. I kind of feel like those are the two teams to look at. Yeah, yeah, because like everyone thinks, I mean, like the Rangers, but people like them. Like all, all, all the sleeper teams, everybody likes. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no sleeper team that I think people are not talking. And about. And you can't be surprised by Colorado or Dallas because they're people legitimately picking them to win divisions yeah. or even cups yeah. in the case Jamie. of the Dallas Stars. Oh. Um, which one of them? Because I've I have seen the Coyotes starting to get more and more love nationally as a dark horse will be a you know the second wild card or whatever. I actually think they can finish higher than that. But between the Coyotes and Panthers, which one do you think would surprise people more if they made the playoffs? That's a really tough call because <laughs> I asked the tough question. I think Arizona because I don't think people know the aside from Phil Kessel, people don't really know the names of the Coyotes players. They know Bobrovsky. I think they've heard of Sasha Barkov and the Florida. They may not be. A, a national team, but they play teams that a lot of people pay attention to. Yeah, I mean they're in the East, so that yeah. helps. Certainly. So I think that's that's the difference. But okay. have you been to that arena? I have, have not. Seen the I have. Jamie's been to that arena. Yeah, I lived. I lived in Florida. Have you seen the crowds? Have you seen the crowds? No, that's two different questions. No, no you usually can't see them. That's yeah. true. No. They're hiding. That's true. They don't really They're disguised as seats. They don't draw. <laughs> they don't draw a lot of opposing fans either. They don't draw a lot of anything. No, but that's not. No, it's a but they're good. Place. I would say. In their defense, that is not a Florida Panthers problem. The Marlins don't either. Right. The Dolphins are trying to drive all their fans away. Yeah, look at that market, by the way. When we talk about how much we're suffering in this market as a sports market, look at South Florida right now. Look, Miami's a low-key, terrible sports market. Nobody likes to talk. Nobody wants to talk about it because it's a big city. They're a terrible sports market. Yeah. You know what? I actually am going to name the Little Penguin Olfie. I think it's more ironic, and he just kind of squeaked. Oh, going with irony. Okay. Yeah. He is. He did. Rick did say yappy. Yeah. So and he is, that's, that's that's kind of yappy. That's kind of yeah. yappy. Yeah, all right. That's all fee. Um, most. Well, I ran out of most. First coach to be fired. Blashill. Okay. See, I thought about going with him. I have a different answer, but Blashill does. On the team that you forget is in the NHL, the Detroit Red Wings, <laughs> which is crazy to, to say. That, How did that happen? I'm going with Paul Maurice. Yeah, yeah that's, that's my that, pick. That's that a dark horse pick. one. Yep. I yep. want, but I wonder how much ownership goes. Like, well, we lost all of the pieces for you. No, ownership never says that. That's no, true. There's don't. never rational decisions made. Well, speaking of which, then Tortorella. <laughs> <laughs> Tortorella might just fire himself if the yeah, season. He doesn't might go just the way quit. He wants. Yeah, <laughs> I'm um, leaving. But but with Paul Maurice, I mean, he is definitely. The reason Craig and I have the same pick, obviously, Winnipeg, if they come out of the gate slowly, I don't think the fans have lowered their expectations of Winnipeg at all. Well, he also could win coach you of the losing year. poor defensemen. Let's also be realistic <laughs> here. If Paul Maurice didn't get that great season from Connor Hellebuck, he would have been fired three years ago. Yeah. Like, they were about to fire him, and they found goaltending. Well, no, first they gave him an extension, then they found yeah, goaltending. Then, <laughs> well, then they, were gonna, they gave him an extension, then they were about to fire him, and then they gave him goaltending. But also, I mean, let's say Winnipeg does somehow pull it together and go on some crazy run. He's... Not only would he be safe, he'd be one of the most highly regarded coaches in the NHL. So there's a lot of range on Paul Maurice. Uh, let's let's work up from the bottom here. Worst team in each conference. Uh, I have the Kings and the Sabers. The Sabers. I have oh, the Kings and the Senators. Buffalo. Yeah, I have I have the Kings and the Senators too. Buffalo's got to be better than Ottawa, don't they? I mean, you take away that ridiculous stretch and make that a 500 team. They're right there at that bottom. I don't think you're going to get regression from Skinner. Yeah. I, I just think, I mean, I'm, look, Ottawa's awful, too. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not here to argue that Ottawa's better than anybody, but it, I think it's close. 
Well, Ralph Kruger can't be the first coach fired because he's only been there for four months in I Buffalo mean, so far. I, I think Buffalo will be not good, but you know maybe where they were last <laughs> okay. year. That team. I just didn't want to pick Ottawa. Once again, so defining easy. someone by what they are not yeah, rather than what they are. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's go through uh, division winners. Okay. Let's go round the horn, baby. Okay. Go ahead. Let's go Atlantic. We're doing top three or just the winner? Just the winner. Tampa. Tampa. Toronto. Okay. Uh, Metro. Washington. 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 That's the easiest one. Uh, Pacific. Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. I'll get to Vegas in a second. I. You know what? I. I'm going to still say Calgary actually wins the Pacific, but oh, okay. I have more on Vegas. And uh, in the Central, St. Louis. I don't have my central pick yet, Craig. Make yours. <laughs> Buy one that nobody's picking. Buy Nashville. Everyone's picking Dallas or Colorado or I St. Louis. I'm taking Nashville. Yeah, Nashville did win it last year. Um, I, I'll go with St. Louis. I think they're going to trail off in the playoffs, but I think I, they'll still be good I agree with you. I think, yeah. that, I think that's where they trail off. Okay, let's go cup finalists. I can give you mine. It hasn't changed. Toronto versus Vegas. Same. Tampa, oh. Vegas. Wow. Okay. Wow, we're all taking Vegas to go to the cup. Mm-hmm. I don't. I hate the I think West. you and I have the same cup winner. You know, I haven't gone far enough in my head to pick the winner. Oh, I have Tampa. I, I'm all in on Tampa. Are you? All in yeah. on Tampa finally doing yeah. it, huh? That's, I can see that happening. I would not they, be surprised at all. This team got better in the offseason. Nobody wants to talk about it. Like, they got better. Not yeah. a lot better, because there's really not much better. But they got better. Toronto got better, though, too. Oh, Because other teams tried to make them better. <laughs> that is true. But other again, they're both... The, really helped them they're out. They're yeah. the Tyson Berry. They're the two best Tyson teams in hockey. Barry. They just can't play in the cup final. They're the two best teams in hockey. We'll yeah. see them in the second round. Yeah. Okay. So, who are we all picking to win, then? 1967. I really, I, I don't want it to happen yet. The streak yet. is broken. The Toronto Maple Leafs are your Stanley Cup champions. Jamie, you going Tampa, Tampa all the way? <sighs> Toronto's just so loaded. They might be as loaded as Tampa at this point. They're close. Um, they're, I mean, again, they're the two best teams in hockey, clearly to me. Boston's number three. But you know what? I'll go with Vegas, just because I don't want to hate myself for the Wow, Vegas season. taking out Toronto mm, in the Cup yeah, Final. Let's do mm. it. <laughs> all right. Well, By the way, I'm... All, I'm all all aboard the Vegas Toronto Cup final. That'd be so fun. It's gonna happen. What, so fun. What would bother Canada? I, I shouldn't say Canada because a lot of Canada hates the Maple Leafs. What would bother Maple Leafs fans more? Them losing in the first, let's say the second round again, or losing to Vegas in the Stanley Cup <laughs> expansion team? We lost Cup final. an expansion team. I think it's that one where it, it doesn't snow. Yes, which apparently yes. is too much for them to handle. Sometimes that would be pretty tough. Okay, those are the uh, predictions. I don't think we have any other ones, do we? we do, can... do we want to do all the just playoff teams? Not really. I didn't okay. have all those. No. Fine. Okay, let's get to the uh, Coyotes Whatever. preview here. And I do think we're going to have to bump a lot of the listener questions to uh, to next week because we are coming up on an hour already. Uh, you know. Uh, we talked to Rick talking about this, but we have to address the goalie situation. I mean, Auntie Ranta was hurt a little bit in the last couple of days, but he sure seems like he's good to go for the season. I think he is. Um but they have three goalies on the NHL roster right now, so that's kind of weird. Yeah. Now, this could be like a Calvin Pickard situation where they keep a guy around because their schedule is god-awful the first two months. and you. But it takes up a roster spot, right? Maybe you don't need that second roster spot. Maybe it's not that big a deal. And, and I don't even know what to think of their, their roster right now because what we're going to see submitted to the league today I don't think is going to be the roster that goes to Anaheim. Okay. A lot of this is for cap purposes, mm-hmm. maximizing flexibility. They may use LTIR once the season starts, so they get that relief. So we'll see how that plays out. I think Ilya Labushkin's going down to uh, Tucson 
but that's probably a paper transaction. He'll probably still be the seventh defenseman. But now that we know he's going to score ten goals this year, well, you. there you go. Yeah. I mean, as far as the goalies, though, I just I think they. Yeah, he said it on the on the interview. It plays out as the season goes. You wait to see who's playing well. You wait to see what the health situation is, and you evaluate from there. You're in a a luxurious position, right, where you have two guys that you believe in that can carry the load. So why not just play it out like that? And you, you weren't going to use that 23rd roster spot anyway early in the season. So, yeah, so whatever. So if you use it on a third goalie, and he may not even play a second for you. but Nothing is Eric Comrie, but I hope he doesn't play a second for them. Yeah, I mean, yeah they're pretty well Bad set. things would have to happen yeah. for, at that point, yeah. Um, I, when I was listening to celebrities read Craig's athletic articles to me, I did hear your bold predictions where you had the Coyotes winning the Jennings trophy. Mm, I did. I kind of like that. I, I don't think that's that crazy. No, I don't think it's crazy at all. I will say this. I do believe at their best, Ranta is better than Kemper. I do too. But Kemper sure looks like he's ahead of Ranta right now. Well, just, just in the sense that he's actually ready to play. Sure, Ranta hasn't played in almost yeah. a year. And Kemp, Kemper looked good in the he preseason. He did look good. I, I agreed with Rick that he was one of the guys that I singled out. I thought he had a really good preseason. Yeah. And, and we might not forget an answer to this, but I, I'm fascinated to see if this is turns out to be Darcy Kemper's last year in Arizona. Has he really turned a corner as a player, or is he a perfect fit for the system that Rick Talk and the company is running? Because he has been—yes, he had like a two-month stretch in L.A. where he looked really good— but this is counterintuitive to what his entire rest of his career has been. Antti Rant has shown flashes of success wherever he has played. He's just, and he's more than done that in Arizona when he's been healthy. Right. But I'm curious to see if, for whatever reason, I mean, it's last year of his deal, but if Kemper is not with the Coyotes beyond this year, is he now a goaltender that's worthy of being a top 20, top 25 starter yeah. in a the NHL? Bloomer. Or is this a system fit? Mm-hmm. It's probably a little bit of both, but I do think he has turned a corner. I mean, if you look at the rest of his career, it was five years in Minnesota where he didn't play a whole lot. And he had, he had one year where he started 28 games. But for the most part, we're looking at in the teens or I mean, his first year, he started three games. So I don't think it's inconceivable that what age would that have been with L.A.? He was like 25. That's a pretty good age for most goalies to kind of turn things in, in the right direction. I, I don't know. I think he has turned a corner. Shout out to uh, this organization for the goalie coaches it's had, by the way. Yeah. When you think about Benoit Allaire, Sean Burke, and now Corey Schwab, these guys have all done really good jobs. Mm-hmm. How many former Coyotes goalies have gone on to mm-hmm. help other teams? Grice, Grice Dubnik. Dubnik. Eh. Um, not Briz. Just comes with no, well, yeah, not Briz. Grice. <laughs> I mean, Chad Johnson started. Yeah, there. that's true. I mean, um, Aiden Hill, Hill, when he's starting for Seattle. Well, he meant, he meant elsewhere. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Uh, Nick Schmaltz, mm. top six center for this team. Would really, really help this team. Mm. He's one of those players that I think could really alter the fortunes of this team if he can play like a top six center. And, and again, we talked about some of the defensive deficiencies in his game, and particularly playing down low or defensive zone awareness. I think those are issues in his game. He's going to have to shore those up to be a guy who plays in those roles for Rick Tockett. But offensively, can he produce 60 points in a season? If you, if, you, if you don't have an elite center, if you don't have that franchise center, can you get the production from your depth? And they have the players where they can really do that in combination if Nick Schmaltz can be that guy. But there, there are also abilities in his game that they, they just don't have elsewhere. He has the speed through the middle that Rick Tockett thinks is so valuable in this system. I think he shows a ton of poise on the half wall on the power play. He looked a little rusty in that area, but that's understandable with how long he's been off. But 
those are two areas that could really help this team take a, a big step forward. Not not my pick to lead the team in scoring, but definitely could. Well, what are your expectations for him five on five? Again, let's not pretend like lines on Wednesday are going to be the lines throughout the season. It never happens that way. But if he is playing with, I mean, he's not playing with offense first guys, at least right away. If he's playing with Dvorak and Garland, for example. Yeah, I mean, those guys can they can play offensively, but it's not like playing with Keller and Kessel or one of those guys or that combination. So do you, him having to be attached to a, def- a defensively minded or at least more defensively inclined forward, do you think that's going to limit what his actual point total will be? I mean, sure, he's going to play first line power play, but he's five on five point total. No, we, I mean, it's going to limit it. We've seen it how many times with Coyotes players or just players around the league. Whatever team you follow, if you look close, you probably, if you're watching the games closely or listening to the games closely, you know of players on the team that because they're on a good line, even if they're a good player, I don't know, how many points do they add getting a secondary assist on a power play where they had nothing to do with it? Nick Schmaltz won't have that luxury because he's not great defensively. Yeah, And a guy like Keller or Kessel will have that luxury because they're probably going to put them with more offensive-minded players. What they're does, not great defensively either. What what can Christian Dvorak do, though, with health, too? Is there upside to his offensive game? Some people think there is. So, And, and he was a wing coming up, by the way. He didn't mm-hmm. play center until he moved to junior. So yeah. he was a scorer. When he was younger, granted, it was lower levels. A lot of guys were scorers, but it's not like he's unfamiliar with the wing position. That's an interesting experiment to me. I don't know what to think about Christian Dvorak on the wing right now, but maybe there's upside in his game, too. And they, these two played together when they were kids in Chicago. They were on the same line with the Chicago Mission and Willie Nylander on the right wing. Yeah. It's an absurd line to think about. That team but, should have won the cup, even yeah, as kids. Yeah, yeah, but there's familiarity there. But the Dvorak, it's a good point, because normally you say there's less pressure on him moving He's to the, the wing. He's the forgotten coyote. He yes, really is the forgotten but, coyote. Yeah, but normally you say there's less pressure on him moving to the wing, but there isn't on this line. If he's going to be F1 back, then there's basically just as much pressure on him as there would be if he was playing center. Yeah. So it's interesting to see like what you know what that dynamic is. He missed 62 games last year, yeah. you know, just in case anybody has forgotten. There are times, to your point, Craig, where, and it wasn't so much last year, but there are stretches, and he doesn't have a huge sample size in his career yet, but he'll go like two or three games, and you're like, this guy is a scorer. But then, you know, scoring-wise, he disappears for a couple weeks. He does other things, but... I don't, is it unrealistic to hope for I don't know what seventeen goals from him this year? I don't think so. I think that's re- yeah. I think that's very reasonable. And I think he'd be a twenty goal guy. That twenty game sample that he had last season—that's basically getting yourself back into game shape when yeah. you're joining a team that late. So I, I don't, I don't know that I would read anything of what I saw in in those twenty games. Right now, he he had a healthy camp. He had a healthy summer where he could do all the things he wanted. He's another wild card. I don't know what to expect from Christian Dvorak right now. 15 goals each of his first two seasons in the NHL, just the two in the 20 yeah. games last year, but still. Uh, can the Coyotes get more from vets like Derek Stepan and Alex Goligoski? They're going to have to from those two specifically. They're going to get more from Derek Stepan. I agree. Yeah, I think Step's locked in. Because I'm just going to write off last year for him. I'm just going to write it off because that, that is totally uncharacteristic for his entire career, what we saw last year. His, the start of, of last year, he just couldn't buy a goal when he was doing a lot of things right. And I don't know if that affected him or not, but it seemed like it did, statistically at least. It's amazing how consistent this guy has been in his point totals every season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's going to be between 51 and 57 points. Yeah. It's like it's, it's guaranteed. Dick but to the bank. He last the year, the, the Coyotes' leading point producer had 47. <laughs> so they could use that. <laughs> was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if he gets back to that, that that's a big help. Alex Goligoski, uh, uh, not to uh, point too much to the, to the story that I wrote, but he talked about Sort of a, a period last season where he was literally in a, a funk where he had lost his passion for the game. It was 
incredibly open and candid of him to even talk about it because I asked a, just a not I wouldn't even say it was a related question and and he he offered up so it was, was a good it was story it, too yeah it was, it was really interesting to hear it it was, it was all him credit to him for talking about it it's not uncommon in professional sports apparently it's pretty darn common for these guys to go through these funks he got his passion back he knows too he knows he needs to produce more and with Alex in particular really with this blue line I keep wondering how much is Phil Housley going to impact that and. Again, how much will they sacrifice on the defensive end to do what Phil Housley wants to do, get that you know offside, the weak side D up into the, the offense? I don't know at this point, but I think Phil Housley could be good for guys like Alex Goligoski, Jacob Chikrin, even Oliver ekman Larson. Any other vets from last? I mean, the other vets that were contributing last year, I don't know that you can ask that much more from them. Grabner, six shorthanded goals, and he missed half the season. But he missed half the... I mean, I, so that's 12 what, this year I mean, that's before, <laughs> But I mean, that's where the other production is going to come from. I mean, right. look, we, we uh, I think I'll speak for me. I, I expect a goal you regression. You should speak for yourself. <laughs> I expect a goal regression from Brad Richardson. I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to flirt with 20 again, but... You also again. You didn't get a full season of DeBears. You didn't get He's a full waiting outside the door. Yeah, I was gonna say he, he may hear. I don't want to say it to his face. Somehow, uh, yeah, duh. That, I want to say it and then slink away, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like you do after every podcast. But I mean, but but we've talked about the biggest jump for the biggest addition for this team is not Phil Kessel. It's getting all of your healthy players back because the amount of points that you are leaving that you left on the the ice last year because nobody was healthy is massive. It was worse than any other team in hockey. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess technically, I think the stat says that Anaheim lost more man games to injury. They lost more man games. They didn't lose more production. They, they, absolutely true. Because if and we went through this before or a couple weeks ago, but I mean, since this is the Coyotes preview, it's probably worth throwing out there again. The number of Coyotes that are expected to play significant roles this year that played less than seventy games last season. I mean, Richardson, Chikrin. Garland again, but I mean there was a reason for that. But Grabner missing half the year. Walt. Yeah, I mean I won't put Labushkin in that category because he was he was healthy for most of it. But Jason Demers, Christian Dvorak, yes, Nick Schmaltz certainly as well. On, on Ronta. Ronta. I mean, yeah. and that's the thing when people look at this team, they're like, okay, they added Kessel and Soderberg. Well, <laughs> they added so much more than that yeah. simply by being healthy. I, I think that's getting under emphasized. There will be injuries. Don't sure. I mean, we're not saying that they're going to everybody's going to play 82 games this season, but it it was pretty ridiculous can't look last like year. Like that, can it? I hope not. Uh how much can the rest of the young core uh, we'll get to Keller in a second, but outside of Keller improve this season. I, I for me, the guy I'm looking at is Chikrin more than anybody else. That's the one. I, I don't know that Garland has this massive upside on his side. I don't know. I'm fine if, if Garland does what he did last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I mean he's going to do it over a stretch of more games. Yeah. Uh I don't know I mean, we might have. We'll see what happens with Christian Fisher. I think this is a pivotal year for him. Is, is this going to be a key cog to the Coyotes' future, or somebody that is just going to kind of get lost in the shuffle and have to figure it out somewhere else? We don't know. Lawson Kraus is Lawson Kraus. You know what you're going to get. I think that's the player. I think they actually can still get more from Kraus. Do you think so? Yeah, a little bit. But but I like what he is. Right. If they don't get anything else from Kraus, I think they're happy with it. But I do think they might be able to get a little bit more out of him. But yeah, Chickwin to me is the biggest. The biggest one to see where, what you can get. I guess I'm Barrett Hayden as well because you don't know what you got nothing. Sure, but it's probably but, too soon to expect major. Yeah, he's going to play. From, but Jacob Chikrin, yeah. yeah, I agree with you. He needs to take a major step forward. He he needs to become the player we think he is, an elite defenseman. Yeah, it's time. Um, more pressure though on Chikrin or Fisher. I would say it's the more pressure is on Fisher because he disappeared from for out, last from outside or inside. Because I think outside there's more pressure on Chikrin. Okay, in but terms it, of he's a, he's more of a household name than Christian Fisher is. But in terms of you might not be on this team. Yeah, like which player is feeling time, more pressure to, to have to not to save his career, but to save his career? I guess with the Coyotes, it's got to be Fisher. It's Fisher, yeah. but 
if he can, there is still a hole. I mean, we talked a lot about some of the power play changes. There's still a hole in this team, and that's who can be the grindy guy in front of the net on a power play. Christian Fisher could be that guy. He hasn't been but, like well, that's a role. Carl Soderberg could be that guy, though. He too. could, but I don't. Is Carl Soderberg a multiple year option? Talk about that. That's it's interesting to me because I agree with you. I'm, I'm at least intrigued by that possibility. Yeah. yeah. The, the net front you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, why else did you bring him in? I mean, that's such well, a glaring... Well, PK, he does other things, yeah, right? Yeah. So, but, yeah, I, I agree. But you're right. Fisher could be that guy, too, if he can learn to you not just win puck battles, but actually make plays out of that, yeah. whether it's, as he says, you know, going back to the D and go D to D and get to the net or spin away and make a play right toward the net. If he can do those things, he could be a, an interesting piece. Uh, with Hayton, what do you think his path is to consistent playing time? An, an injury? Unfortunately, yeah. like, I, I don't see like I got to look at where the team is constructed now, and I don't see where I'm throwing him in just because and he's going to have to be on the wing minus. An yeah, injury he's, he's going to sure. start at the wing. Yeah, I mean, but where does he really fit when when you're healthy? Like, who who are you taking out of the lineup to to put Barrett Hayton in? I would say an injury or a message. Yeah. So sending somebody else a message, Hayton comes in, and then he basically, I mean, and this is the life of a guy trying to break into the league. He may only get two games to show what he can do. But as as Rick Tockett just told us, you you got to be careful with that too, right? You don't want him sitting for a bunch of games. If it comes to that, they may decide, okay, see you next year. But yeah, back, yeah, better for him to go back to the unfortunately go to the yeah, yeah. This, yeah. And, and look, there there are people on both sides of that equation too. There aren't there are some people who think that even the AHL may be a too big a step at this point. It's still it's a tough league, it's a tough game, and you can develop confidence and develop your skills more. In the CHL, but I he's done it already. He does, he has, and I for those top players usually going back. Like when they sent Max Domi yeah, back, they didn't have why a we need that exception, but, right? We need the know. exception in the CBA. It's, I hope they do it. Yeah, I mean we've talked about that before, but, but the, every team needs at least one. There there are people in this league though who believe that that agreement protects the NHL teams from themselves, where they'll just rush some of these guys too much and hurt their careers. So well, that that's why it's got to be an on exception. Some, yeah, on some that's level, why you don't yes. change the rule. But if each team has one guy they can use it on, then yeah. you have to still be smart about it. But also, like the thing that can protect the NHL teams from themselves is the slide rule. Like, if you have the ability to say, okay, well, we're going to rush him, but we're going to burn the first year of his ELC to do it. I mean, I know some teams do it, like Calgary in the play- playoffs, just to get him swept. But huh. With Sam Ryder. Some, some teams, I mean, <laughs> Sam Bennett. Uh, oh, but Sam but, but, but some, some teams do that, but you have some he building. corrected you. I did. You have some building. He'll be edited it's, it's, out of the it's show. It's rare. It's rare. <laughs> there, but there is some protection there already for financial teams. There's already an incentive to not play that player right away. So I don't know if you need all these extra incentives to not play those players. It, it, look, if, if you're running an NHL team and you, you just can't help yourself and you're going to rush all your players up from junior, you deserve to lose then. Well, I, also, I don't need a rule in place to protect you. that happen somewhere? <laughs> but you also have to start thinking about that now, don't you? With what just happened with all these RFAs, are you not thinking, boy, if I'm 50-50, do I want to give myself an extra year? Like, yeah, but again, that's why I want there to be the exception because at, a, at the most basic level, there are some players whose development is being stunted. Yes, sure. or, or at least you're not being progressed. It's well, yeah, but so I mean, it's not just Hayton. He's just the example that we have from the Coyotes. I'm sure there's other players around. Cody Glass in Vegas is another one where, yeah. you know, depending what they do with him, it sounds like he's done in junior, but he may have to play in junior, which is just silly. What's it's, what's the value to just that? Just put him on your fourth line. You're fine. You're Vegas. You can roll, roll four lines. Well, Vegas, yeah, they can do whatever they want. The, the great thing about Barrett Hayton is he's very versatile. He can play up and down the lineup. He can play the wing. So. At least they've got that. They, yeah. know he, they can plug him in a number of places. I hope we at least get to see him play a couple games and and yeah. prove whether or not he belongs. Because he strikes me as one of those players that 
may perform at the NHL level right out of the gate faster than than some people expect. Maybe, but again, if he comes in and then it's a week before he gets the second game, and then it's a week, and then no, his no. third game, and at that point, I don't know if we're going to be able to see anything. And no, then, then that, you're just wasting it. And then when you're talking about long-term franchise, at that point, having that extra year might be more beneficial than him playing 35 or 40 games for you at the NHL level, even if he's ready to do such. They have a, they don't have a lot of back to backs at the beginning, right? It's, it just goes Thursday, Saturday, Thursday, yeah, Saturday. They have a lot travel. of travel. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's what I'm saying. Like the, you, him getting into two games might be two and a half weeks. Yeah, and yeah, I don't. That I don't want to. People were freaking out about the idea of him not being in the season opener, but that, that doesn't mean that much, really. It doesn't mean that much. It might be. It might be a good learning opportunity. Okay, watch the first game. Yeah. It's on the road. There's there's pressure on the road. Maybe that's not the best situation to put him in right away. Although, if I'm Barrett Hayton, I probably would rather face Anaheim than Boston in my first NHL <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Fair enough. But, but, but we also have to look at this team, and this is a team with legitimate playoff aspirations. They need to operate this team as if every game is a crucial game and every point matters. I know that's cliche. I but, think they will. I mean, you but, know, Rick Tockett's philosophy looks like three games ahead and that's it. But that's what I'm talking about Like with fans. You have to understand, this team has to construct their roster and construct their game days as if... We're going to be in, in, in a dogfight where we really need to have one or two extra points. It's going to be a difference for us playing in April or not playing in April. And that, and as much as I want to see Barrett Hayton, when everybody in this lineup is healthy, there's not a spot for him today. Uh, I, I think he has considerable upside over three or four of the guys in the lineup if he developed over the course of the year. So let's say you were in a playoff race with a week left. I think Barrett Hayton, having played all season, assuming he doesn't hit like a rookie wall or something, could be more valuable to you than well, a couple of the guys in the I lineup. mean, technically, depending on how things work out, you could still pull that off. Like that late season, if you want to, like at the, after the end of the junior year, like if you want to burn it at that point, you could. I don't get. I don't recommend it, as I've said on the show a million times. But <laughs> as you said within the last two minutes. If you're in that spot. Yeah, but I, I'm... For the example I'm giving, I'm saying more he develops over the course of the season, yeah. doesn't hurt you, and then gets to the point where in the second half of the season, maybe he's one of your more dangerous forwards. Not your most dangerous. Like but Robert just, Thomas? Yes. Like John like Chai decided, right? Yeah. So we'll see. All right. Does Clayton Keller have elite level hockey in him? I know Jamie's answer. I, I think he can. We have to define what elite is. is point, I mean, is elite it? is not just the best player on the Coyotes. I, I I look at this as, a, can he be a point-per-game player? Okay. An 82-point game player. This year, I don't think so. Does he have that in him? I believe he does. But again, as I said on the show, I believe a lot of it is effort. And, we're, and we've heard all the right things. We heard Rick Tocca talk about a lot of the things that that's encouraging. I want to see it on the ice. Does that effort is, does that effort translate when things aren't going well? Does that effort translate to every minute he's on the ice or just the power play minutes? Like I, I, I need to see. Clayton Keller is the biggest person holding Clayton Keller back last year, I thought. From a production standpoint, what is an acceptable season for Clayton Keller for you guys? Uh, I've said this before. It's It's not an exact point total. It's all those points don't come in October. He goes out there and puts up 40 in October and then finishes the year with 60. That doesn't do anything for me. I'd almost rather he had 50, but it was spread. Look, if he has 40 in October, he should win the, the Hart well, Trophy yeah, just based but, on yeah. that. But, I mean, we've seen it now two years in a row. He's been great in October, and I just want those points spread out. I want more production from him in the second half of the season. It's not his fault they missed the playoffs last year, but if he played last year the way he did the previous year, they would have made the playoffs. True. Just- Assuming a full season, he needs to be north of 20 goals, and he needs to be well north of 60 points. I agree. 60 points, he has to be above. 
that's that's the threshold for me too. I mean, and now you're paying him like that. He, yes, he, needs, he does yes. need. You're basically paying him like he needs to be pretty close to a point per game guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not asking him to be 80 points this year. I don't. I, I don't yeah. make that Get jump. There. But you should. First off, you put up 2365 already in the NHL. So I don't want to hear any excuses aside from injury why you can't get there again. And by the way, you're playing with more talent now than you did two years ago. Yeah, there's, I mean, you can look at that a couple different ways. The league clearly adjusted to him last year, and now we have to see how he adjusts back. I agree with you, Jamie, that the the biggest questions for me with him are effort and defense, but you know you're not going to get defense from him as just, long as he puts in the effort which it sounds like just he is try. i'm not he's not going to be a defensive wizard he's not they're not counting on him to be great defensively you just got to try but you can't just wave your stick at guys like your because, harry potter because he's right now let's be honest he's <laughs> he's been way closer to alex ovechkin patrick line territory yes on defense than anything else yeah yeah that was a good line by you so by it was well, it was a good line that you just talked right over yeah jamie I let's I jamie it. thank you it would have gone in the best of, but Jamie talked over. Jamie's it. wearing a retro L.A. Kings T-shirt today, yeah. purple with the crown, and I love it. I, I, I Marcel Dion fan. You, yeah, and he brought the uh, the. Are they shorts? Yes, shorts. Gold I, shorts. I can't, is he gold wearing shorts. shorts? Are you wearing whole, gold shorts? He's got the shorts? whole Kings thing going on. Yeah, today. yeah purple Nikes. It's working though. Where it's you, working. Where do you think the Kings are going to finish this? Well, year? The, well, I, Dead I, last. Well, I, want, I wanted to wear it today because this is be the last time that we do the show that the Kings will not have a losing record. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's the, the last time we'll talk about the Kings for anything even remotely kind. Uh, how is the Phil Kessel experiment going to be remembered? That's, that's a loaded question. It sure is, isn't yeah. it? Well, I mean, and that, that I read word for word out of Craig's notes. Um, well, I, I, if I mean, let, let's go to the super optimistic answer. The super optimistic answer, it, it will be the start of the rebirth of the Coyotes' power play. That's the optimistic answer. I think the most likely answer is that he is a key piece to a team that makes the playoffs. Like, I, I, again, I, I just to temper my expectations. If you're, I just, I still think the expectations for him in Arizona are too high. He's never been a forty goal scorer. I'll just keep saying that. Yeah, yeah. People have the the expectations of that are ridiculous. And if he puts I, up I ninety points this year, he's, gonna, he's amazing. He's, I don't know if he's going to score thirty goals. I agree. He could be the high twenties, and that's okay. Especially with I think I this said, lineup twenty five sixty five. Like I think that's well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what's what's the point where you're like, okay, he needs more than that? I, to me, you need to get. 25 goals out of Phil Kessel, assuming yes, he plays yes, all season. Yes. D- different ways they get there, but in terms of total points and goals, it's him and Clayton Keller are very similar. Again, getting there completely different ways, except for the power play. But that's kind of what I expect from them. And, and I think the, the expectation is, is I really, truly believe Coyotes fans expect 30 to 40 goals and yeah. 70 to 80 points. And I just I, I think they're going to be disappointed, and it's not going to be Phil Kessel's fault. Yeah, which I feel like is the theme of his entire career. I, Jamie is waving <laughs> it's his arms. Really, not Phil Kessel's fault. Like he yeah. has a mime trying to break out. He doesn't of have a Ganey Malkin, so judge it on that. I mean, I, I said this in my bold predictions, which you read, you heard in celebrity voices. Yes. Apparently, Jeff Goldblum was reading. And, and I think you mentioned this earlier uh, that he could be close. Assuming Alex Galchenyuk actually plays and is not injured yeah, this season, that, that, they they could there could be a, not a great disparity between their point totals, and that won't necessarily be a bad thing because Galchenyuk's playing with Malkin, yeah. and Phil Kessel is not. Yes, I, I do want to put the caveat out there, though. Yes, I mean if Galchenyuk's playing with Malkin, and I've already said I think Malkin's going to have a huge bounce back year. But for the longest time with the Coyotes, it's been like, well, how much can we really? expect from this offensive player because he doesn't have offensive weapons around him they're not loaded but they've got enough off- offensive weapons now where that's not really an excuse for me at this point assuming everybody's healthy keller and kessel should be producing offense because they have each other 
I think it's an excuse not to get to 80 points. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, that's what we're saying. We're not saying it's going to be bad. We're just saying, you know, it's... They don't have franchise centers. No, They don't have them. That's... I'm not expecting elite production from anybody up front statistically, but I am expecting pretty solid production from three or four different guys. Right. And Kessel has never not produced. Yeah. So... And he plays always. Yes. Always. And he he That's crazy to me. That, That is under... Reported, in my opinion, nine straight seasons. Yeah. Are you kidding me? It's that's hard to that, do. That's Yandelian <laughs> for a guy who yo he doesn't he doesn't work that hard. Also very fast, he, deceptively yes, fast. Nine straight seasons. He's doing something right. He, he what he's you're going to see? Un- yeah, he's going to be like when his career's over. He's one of the most unappreciated stars because no, he played in Toronto. Era. What you're going to see <laughs> is a player that, Boston that makes it look. <laughs> easier than it is. It, it, I mean, you look at Kessel, and it, look, if you have never watched Phil Kessel play hockey before, if you're a Coyotes fan that just kind of follows the Coyotes and that's it, you're going to see a guy that steps out on the ice, you're like, is that guy, how is he any good? He doesn't really look like a... Dead guy. He doesn't, hey, he's this guy. He yeah, doesn't look like guy. Jacob Chikrin or somebody out there. It looks like they they were born to play hockey, but he's deceptively fast and he makes goal scoring look easy. That He's done that everywhere he's played, even in Toronto when nothing was easy because yeah. that team was miserable around him. Uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, healthy? I don't know. Do you? That's a problem for me. <laughs> well, it's been a problem. Yeah, no, but I mean, that's a, if if we're we were told it's a minor to make pers- the playoffs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. If he's not, then it, that's oh, it. You just threw Alfie. I yeah. just threw. Yeah, well, I just kind of let Alfie. Kinda, he, he rolled. Yeah, Alfie's been speaking up. I don't know if the mic's rolled until up. he struck the mouse, <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't go so well no, after that. Yeah, he's, he's in the concussion protocol now. Yeah. It's Cam uh, revenge. I mean, we were told it was a minor procedure, but like they're going to tell us if it was anything. But I mean, I don't know. I don't have any. Any proof that Oliver Ekman Larson is is hurt any more than they told us he is? It may have just been you know a minor procedure, as they said, cleaned up something. He's fine, but it's something to watch because we saw him play through some pain last season in that knee. So we'll we'll see on that one. But I agree with you. If 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 he's hurt, if he misses time, that's one of the guys they can't afford no. to lose. They just can't afford to lose him. And I feel like we've said this every year for like three years now, but it's it's another pivotal season for Oliver Ekman Larson. At some point. We can't come in here and the three of us can do the show and predict that Oliver Ekman Larson, we're waiting for the breakout. We're waiting for the elite breakout. At some point, it has to happen. If he's healthy this year, I think he goes over 50 points. I hope so. Yeah, he can. He's going to be in the best, great situation. Again, I think one of the listener questions was like, how can Oliver Ekman Larson be more productive without sacrificing on defense? Well, one thing that you can do with that is by having a much better power play. Oh, yes. And being I able to, that. the top defenseman in this league. That that are offensively inclined rack up a lot of points on the power play, so that way they don't have to sacrifice their defensive game five on five, and that's something that that Oliver Ekman Larson needs to be a key piece of mm-hmm. on a power play that has the potential to be really good this year. Because Phil Kessel's here now, and yes. Nick Schmaltz. Yes, you have yeah. a lot. This is the most talented power play they've had in how many years since they've been in Glendale? Yeah, I mean, on paper. I mean, they had that one season. Where they they had a an elite they, power play, but it was they, just but I mean talent wise, like they yeah, had that one year where wise. they spiked. But yeah. in theory, the on paper power play. Yeah, I ran this. It uh, ran the numbers for every year, and it's <laughs> hasn't been great. No, no, no. Um, if if Oliver goes out there and has the year that we all think he's capable of having, to me that makes the last couple seasons where he's sort of leveled off. It it makes them understandable, right? Because there are, and not like he's using excuses, but there are different excuses you could slide in there, but only if he then takes the next step. Because he took the first few steps in his career so quickly, yeah. and then has leveled off over the last couple of years. Well, and I think our expe- at least my expectations are are really high for him. 
Like my expectations, I think he can be one of the twenty best defensemen in hockey, and that's partly why I'm been as critical as I've been at times because I think he has the talent to be a true superstar. I want to see the true superstar, and I know there were a lot of other extenuating circumstances the last couple of years, and those are obviously major factors. But, but he's, he's comfortable within the system now, and I think yes. we saw it at times last and year. And there's a lot of talent there, yeah. and I think I think that we're going to say this for a lot of guys. There's now offensive talent. In Arizona, so those excuses that, as you point out, Luke, those excuses in the past that we have, that have been used of oh, there's not there's not enough players here, there's not enough talent, they can't do anything. Those are going away for a lot of players, and if we start to see players really underperform, then we have to start to question what the other issues are. I'm not yeah. saying Ekman Larson's going to underperform, but we can't use that same excuse where you know you're running like you know Matthew Lombardi and Martin Hansel and Vernon Fiddler and in the second on the second lines and Robert Lang and like they, there's been a lot of like. Hey, these guys, we, they made it work with the system, but they're not really making it work offensively. They have the they talent have to make pieces. the playoffs. On paper, they have the talent to make the playoffs. And as they have played, once they've gotten used to Rick Tockett's system, and then for a lot of years under Dave Tippett, this team has shown in the past that they tend to play better than just the sum of the names on the on the lineup sheet in, on the first day of the season. But those names this year are good enough, I, I agree, to contend for a playoffs. This team has made a habit when they've been good of doing more with less. Now they have more. Meet those expectations, and there'll be a playoff. I, I think they will. I, I just I assume injury aside, because you have to assume health with pretty much every anytime you're trying to make predictions. I, I do think Rick Tockett is right, and he should be. I mean, this is his team that they have that sort of chip on the shoulder mentality that they could still sneak up on some people, and that collectively as a team. They've played together now enough where it's going to be instinct on the ice. It's not going to be, wait, where am I supposed to be? It's just instinct. I mean, who who on this team is going to come in and play Rick Tockett's system this year and not instantly know where they're supposed to be? Maybe Carl Soderberg or Barrett Hayton. Bingo. That's it. Yeah, that's everybody it. else has played for Rick Tockett, whether it's Phil Kessel in Pittsburgh or everybody else here. So that, to me, is the biggest thing. As far as if an injury hits, I think they could feasibly sustain it to a goalie if it was for a little while, more than they could sustain it to Oliver ekman Larson. Well, because absolutely. they have two goalies. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because you, you believe in Darcy Kemper, and as do I. Yeah, it's really tough not to now, because even in the preseason, he looks just like he did last season. All right, what do we want to do about listener questions? We're at an hour and a half. You want to just roll these over to next week? That's up to you, Luke. Well... Don't you guys have You're the one with seven jobs. Uh, we might want to get to them because a lot, a lot might change by the time we True. get to next week. Here, let's go through some of them pretty quickly. Yeah, it's okay. right. rapid fire. Uh, imagine the garbage pail kids, but in outer space. Remember when everyone... That's the name. Remember when everyone lost their minds about not picking Philip Zadina? Um, yeah, it looks like Zadina might start the year in the AHL, too. I, I remember everybody losing their minds that the Coyotes did not draft Brady Kachuk, yeah. which was not an option because he wasn't on the board. Or Cole Caulfield. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 so, yes, yes. All that. Um, Felt rhetorical. Yeah, I think it was. Okay. Uh, little Coyote fan, who would win an air hockey battle, Ranta or Kemper? When can we arrange it? Mm. I'm interested in this. I don't have an answer, but no. yeah. Okay. Sounds like a made-for-TV event. Yes. Yeah, definitely. You should okay. do it on one of your like, video podcasts, one of yeah, your 18,000 shows that you have now. Yeah, I'm, I'm collecting ideas, so feel free to just keep sending them in. <laughs> okay. Pat, what has the coaching staff done differently this season to hopefully generate a faster start, considering 12 of the first 20 are on the road, 5 in the Eastern time zone? I mean, they can't do anything about the schedule, which has kind of gotten ridiculous at this yeah. point. Not that changing keep... their systems either. I mean, although they they did tweak the power play, and and Phil Housley's here to activate the D more, but adding more offensive talent. Yeah, starts. There you go. I mean, I mean, that, I mean, that's Being all you can better. Do. Yeah, that's all you could do right now. Like, there's really no. I, I, I guess, and we'll see. We don't know what they're going to do because we don't know they're not off to a slow start yet. Yeah, like we have to wait and see. Call, talk to us in two weeks. 
Uh, on a scale from one to Craig answering line combo questions, how irritated would the Canadian media be if this year's conference finals are Arizona against Nashville and Tampa against Florida? I think they would probably right. shut their country down for a what, while. What would Don Cherry say? He, he'd get really loud and then he'd get really quiet for a while. Bunch I think. of jerks. Yeah. He would, uh, I, yeah, maybe he'd just be happy that Carolina's not in it. By the way, we kind of glazed over this because we didn't predict every single thing. Do you have Carolina you. going deep into the playoffs again? Uh, I have them in the playoffs. Okay, they're not going to get out. They're not going to get out of their division they're because gonna... of Washington, yes. or just because they can't win a playoff series? You don't think? Uh, I think because of Washington. Okay. Uh, Joe Ducko. Mm, that should be a name for somebody. Do you think we'll see more offensive production out of the defense core this year, or will we continue to see a mostly defensive focused style like last year? I mean, this, I mean, there's some room for offensive improvement from Goligoski, for example, Jacob Chikrin. Chikrin. But I mean, I mean, you know what you're getting with Demers and Jarmerson, which is they play those roles really well. Yeah, Phil Housley again. Yeah. What's his impact? Uh, I Dust don't okay. have a feel for that yet. Okay. When do you think we'll know? I, I don't know how long that takes to implement those sorts season. of changes because it's <laughs> it's it's reps as much as anything, right? And you can yeah. do it in practice, but you need to do it in the games as well. That takes a while, and I would say the same thing for the power play. Uh, no, we need to make gross proclamations like two or three right, games it's in. Gonna happen. No, first it needs intermission to happen before. right now. The first intermission will if, be If they don't score a power play goal on Wednesday night, it yeah. will power blow it up. trash. Blow it up. They are playing Anaheim. Uh, Dustin wrote in with a question about Hayden. I think we kind of already answered it. Gertrude Von Lichtenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a better quote? Mike Leach or John Tortorella? It's, oh, it, it's Mike Leach. I, I love Tortorella. Disagree. It's Mike Leach. Disagree. Oh. Mike Leach is off the wall. I mean, I, I don't know what he's going to say, and it could be something wild, and it could be a, a great soundbite, but Tortorella offers those sorts of things and great analysis. Yeah. I have <laughs> that's, to, oh, that's fair. If you're going upside, it's Leach, because there is no ceiling on what he could True. say. True. But consistently, if you were covering both of their teams for a full season, I think you get more out of Tortorella. Well, if you want helpful answers, it's Tortorella by a mile. But he, I mean, he gives if you some you crazy to, answers, though, too. If you need to chew up space... <laughs> Podcast <laughs> idea. Leach. Mike Leach and Ilya Brizgolov. Uh. I think you could do one episode. You need someone to tether it to reality. That would literally be exhausting to listen <laughs> yeah. to. You'd just be like, oh, I can't. Uh, Todd and Phoenix, which Coyotes player is the first to 20 goals this season and by when? Mm. <laughs> by when? Yes. <laughs> I have to pick a date. Uh, uh, bonus that. question. What happens first? A Coyotes player reaches 20 goals or Luke releases the often talked about but never seen Natty Hattie t-shirts? To be fair. I did oh, release kind of, photos. Yeah, they have kind of been seen. They have been seen on uh, our Twitter feed. You just have to scroll back to early August. I so, would is say. this a production issue? Is that what's going on with it, these T-shirts? It, you know, it's like I wanted a response, yeah, you and need to, uh, you need to visit that third world country yeah, where apparently you exploiting child labor to make these T-shirts. Not the you, one where they have all the Tampa. Is, is it your Tampa shirts? You just why do you have to ducks? travel to Tucson to get them? I'd say, oh. <laughs> oh wow, that's just harsh. <laughs> But not untrue. Uh, which Coyotes player is the first 20 goals this season? Uh, Clayton Keller. Clayton Keller? Uh, wow. I'm going with Phil Kessel. Yeah. The easy pick. I'm trying to find uh, I'm trying to find any other yeah, find name another I option. could give. I mean, well, to me, I think it's it's Kessel for sure. Um, I don't know that Keller would be my second pick for goals. I think he'll be. Although, if he's worked on his shot and he's going to take his shot. He's getting inside, as yeah. Doc said. I know it's bold. He didn't get 20 last year. But, I mean, who are the 20-plus goal scorers on this roster? Kessel, Keller. I think Dvorak might be able to get to 20. I think Schmaltz could. I don't know what we have in Schmaltz yet. Yeah. But he was 14 points in 17 games. It was a pretty good... He would have to do it, like, last week of the season. But it's, I mean, not on the wrong possibility. Oliver can get to 20. But yeah. But he, he's going to do it in April. 
I mean, Grabner, a healthy Michael Grabner, pretty consistently puts up 25 goals. Yes, but I, I, I wonder if, if there's some shorthanded regression there. How many minutes is he going to get five on five? Oliver has hit 20 goals twice, by the way, yeah. in his career. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying about Grabner, but I'm just going his career bouncing around between all the New York teams before he got here. He had 27 goals a couple times. Twi- two straight years yeah. before he yeah. came here, yeah. So, I, yeah, I would be interested to see what he can do in that regard. Uh, do we want any more of these? There's no. more coming in. Any of them good? How about this one? Just wanted to say as a Tucsonian or Tucsonian. Oh. I thought it was Tucsonian. I'm not sure. I'm deeply hurt by the comments by the other guy on the last episode. Oh, you're going to be happy with this one. Heads yeah. must roll. Well, mm. That other guy, if he had a name, we would release that into That's good timing to get that question. Yeah, right I'm sure, I'm sure you're happy now. I, I also want to give Robert Nelson credit for being the one that asked the where would Rick Tockett slot into the Coyotes yeah. lineup today. Um, and Loyal Sif, let's do this as the last one. Who do you guys think will have the biggest jump in points from the previous season? I think Vinny could have a sneaky good season. Also, let Talk name a duck. Talk did name a duck. He Ulf. named two. Talk named a duck. Ulf. <laughs> when, when did that sentence ever make se- or <laughs> sense before? Uh, biggest jump in points from the previous season. Derek Stepan. I think I could, I could see a 25 to 30 point jump this year. Wow. wow. I think he can be in that 60 point range. Wow. He really okay. only had 25 I'm, points last I'm year. I'm going to go surprising. with Clayton Keller. That's also, that's number two. So what, what okay, so you're saying... What do you expect as a jump from Keller? 20 points. So that would put him at 67 points. I think that's doable? Okay. I think it's doable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, Step could get to... Step will probably get back to 50. Yeah. Just because Step was so low last year, like, he was still fifth on the team of points. I'll go with Step because you're, you're right. He's pretty consistently in the mid-50s throughout his entire career. Um those are probably the main ones. Yeah. I think th- I think they both can make those 15, 20-plus point jumps. I mean, if, if Fisher... Especially they're playing together. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they can help their own journey. I mean, does Schmaltz count? Schmaltz had 14 as a Coyote no. last year. I think he's going to be up around 50. <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for us. We're just going to go well, back... Well, before to- we do that, should we do answer the ultimate Coyotes question that we haven't answered yet? Playoff team or no? Playoffs? I thought we answered that. No. I thought we did. Yeah. I think they're I say team. yes. Yes. I think they're the first wild card. I think they are... I, see, I think they have the upside to move as high as like second in the division, depending how this division breaks down. There, there's some potential for this mm-hmm. division to literally break down too. Yeah. I could, I see problems with Calgary. I see problems with San Jose. I know I picked Calgary to win the division. I was, I was forced to do that. I was on the spot. But, but they have, a, they have a huge range of outcomes. They Calgary. do. Like they really, I mean, a lot of teams do. Yeah. I mean, would it shock you if Vegas won the Pacific and the Coyotes were second? That would not shock me it at would all. Not. So this is the first time, and I, I won't speak for you guys. I'll let you say this before we wrap up. But this is because I'm sure you're in the same spot as me where people constantly ask you if the Coyotes are going to be a playoff team going into every season. This is the first year in a, as long as I can remember, I would say the last five or six years, where I'm pretty confident they are. Assuming health. If you come back to me at the end of the season, you're like, well, sure, they didn't have Ronta or Oliver for the whole season and they missed the playoffs. What's wrong with you? Well, that's not the Coyotes at that point. Right. But this team, as it's currently constructed, for the first time that I can remember, I expect them to make the playoffs. Wouldn't it be cool if Vegas and the Coyotes finished first and second in this division, played each other in the second round, and, and then the Coyotes went to the Central Division? <laughs> Good Just work. kill off that rivalry as quickly as possible. <laughs> All right, that is going to do it for us. For Jamie Eisner, for Rick Tockett, for Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. I thought we killed this weeks ago. You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. 
We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team, we'll talk about your least favorite team, and everybody in between, and we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network.